You're on the panel, RNZ National. Nice to have your company this Friday afternoon. Wallace Chapman here now, Wellington State Highway 2, Māori Bank. The traffic signals at the intersection of Ferguson Drive are currently at fault. Please slow down when approaching the intersection and apply the give-way rules. Also, a truck crash on State Highway 1, Torway, south of Kawakawa, is blocking a lane following directions of traffic management in place. I understand that has just been cleared in the last few minutes. And uh, can I just say thank you so much for all your advice and kind thoughts regarding the great news today. Edamon is having a baby. Lots of advice. We'll give him much of that this afternoon on the panel. (laughs) But to this first, months and months, it's been all doom and gloom about immigration. We need more people. We need to open the gates. Well, now the annual net migration rate is on track to top 100,000 a year. And that blows away all previous records, cites Liam Dan in the Herald. This compares to a peak of 91,000 net migrants in the March 2020 year and the annual peak of almost 70,000 in 2017 when John Key was Prime Minister. So the question is, is this going to be good or bad for the economy? With us is Westpac senior economist Michael Gordon, one of the first to highlight that incredible 100,000 figure. Uh, Michael, kia ora. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So looking, I mean, looking at March alone, you have 21,000 plus migrants arrived, the biggest monthly arrivals estimate ever, a net gain of 12,000. Are you surprised at all by these figures? Uh, I think probably surprised by the magnitude of it. Um, It was certainly on the cards that we could see a rebound in these arrival numbers once we opened the border. Um, It was just uncertain how large that would be, and and now we're getting that answer. Um, I mean, I I would have to say, I mean, why is this catching people by surprise? Um, Let's be blunt. Um, A lot of the conversation about migration is dominated by people who look like me. Um, We, you know, we're just not in touch with the... um, um, intentions of uh, the kind of people wanted to come into this country, and, and some of the most heated arguments that I've had, you know, in the last year, um, has been about people who insist that we were going to see a massive outflow once we reopen the border because everyone's going to go off and do their OE. That's right. And yeah. I'm trying to push the point that that's that's just not the biggest factor, and this the biggest factor is arrivals from places like China, India, the Philippines. Now, um, will it hit 100,000, though? You were one of the first to highlight that, but Treasury and the Reserve Bank, they are not so convinced, Michael. Well, yeah, we're already running, the the recent months have been getting up to around about 10,000 a month, so we're actually going to have to slow down just to limit it to 100,000 in a year. Um, I think the Treasury, in fairness, um, there is a bit of a production process that goes on with the budget, and I think they had to finalise their economic forecasts a couple of months ago, um, so they wouldn't have seen the the acceleration we've seen in the most recent numbers. Um, The Reserve Bank, I would have thought, would be a little bit timelier, but no, they, they, they seem to be um, pro- probably a, l- a little bit of um, hope, really, that we've, we've already seen the peak. I'm not sure there's really strong evidence to say that um, things have, uh, you know, turned on a dime as of last month. OK. All right, Sally Wenley here. We're talking, we're talking about, by the way, if you've just joined us, uh, immigration blowing away all previous records set to top, well, on track to top $100,000. It's extraordinary. 
What relevance would that number have for Joe Bloggs, mm. who is employed in the middle of the North Island as a labourer? What's the big deal about it? Well, that's that's a great question. I mean, does it does it really matter whether we have more or less people in the country? Um, for for a lot of individuals, it won't. It doesn't. Um, it probably doesn't, it's not really adding to my income. It's not helping me pay my mortgage. Um, I guess where it comes in is um, when this happens quite suddenly. It it shows up in areas where we maybe don't have um, the enough flexibility in the in our capacity, and that is going to be things in like public services, so um, health, education, uh, public transport. Well, hang on. It does have relevance, doesn't it? Because talking to that Joe Bloggs in the North Island who owns a small cafe, uh, Michael Gordon, and has been struggling to get that extra barista, um, listen to this, this is great news. Uh, yes, certainly. So, I mean, employers, uh, you know, and, and businesses will often focus on the labour shortage aspect because, uh, you know, having too much demand is not a problem for a business. It's just about your ability to meet it. So it'll be, it'll feel like a great relief to be able to fill some of these vacancies. And um, maybe at the same time, it turns out that um, your your demand has gone up by another 2%. Now, you may not mo- notice that individually, but at the economy-wide level, um, you know, it, it, it does add up. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, for a lot of individuals, because because there's so much, I guess, idiosyncrasy in, in terms of our own circumstances, then um, you, you may not necessarily notice some of these effects. But when you start to add it up to the total pressure on uh, on the on roading or healthcare or on housing, because we're just not very good at building houses for anyone, let alone migrants. We're not good at so, building houses for ourselves either. So um, uh, my question was, um, Michael, then how big of a percentage of migration is factoring in into inflation because I see a danger of this mm. conversation getting in because we think in mutually exclusive uh, situations and everybody then starts thinking that all our problems are because of uh, immigration and immigrants and they're taking away our jobs and I'm an immigrant so I, it always comes down to me and I feel like treated as an economic unit rather, rather than a citizen. So how, how much does it factor in into our inflation, our problems? Um, it, it is a, it's hard to say with confidence that it that it goes de- you know definitively in one direction or the other because you do get those two effects. We are um, we are adding to the overall level of demand in the economy. We're also adding to the labour force, and the effects are going to be mixed. So you could think. Um, Again, housing is one where it does tend to come up because um, we're not that responsive at um, supplying new houses very quickly. Um, on the other hand, there'll be sectors like, I mean, aged care is one that's been screaming out for more workers and migrants don't add to demand in that area because they are overwhelmingly um, under the age of 50. Um, so it's, it's going to be you know, very mixed and I think there'll be a bunch of sectors that are kind of in between, like your cafes, for example, um, you know, certainly benefiting from the, the working holiday uh, crowd coming back in, um, but there's also just going to be more people in the country at any point in time. And the people that are coming in, there is the call for skilled labour as well as people who can do the more menial jobs. Um, Have you seen what sort of people are arriving? Yeah, we can get a, I guess, a, a bit of a handle on that um, by looking at the um, what's filled out on the arrival card. So there, there's an occupation category in there. Um, it's it's quite a mix. It's not. I don't think there's really a a single stereotype of a migrant. Um, where we have seen the, the the boost recently, there are a lot of people coming in as 
um, as, as, as kitchen staff, and that was actually um, the case even before um, the, the border closure. That was quite a large category as well. Um, but, you know, there are also engineers and accountants and nurses and so on and so on. So uh, this is another area where um, I do wonder there can be a little bit of snobbery that's, that sneaks into this conversation. It's like, oh, they're all coming in to do menial jobs. But the reality is that um, there's a lot of Kiwis that kind of work menial jobs as well. We don't, we're not all, you know, we're not all office workers. So, um, yeah. you know, they, they are sort of, uh, you know, they are adding to, um, you know, the mix of workers across quite a wide range of industries. So yeah. do, you, do you think there's a space of uh, a, um, for conversation about just outside of uh, economics? I mean, e- um, economists, you're a the senior economist, you're my favorite, I guess. And um, it's... Because if it when it the danger of it becoming an economic discussion, it kind of reduces the people into dollar values. So I'm just thinking: is there a role of economists to make the conversation a bit more nuanced? Because migrants are coming in and adding to the culture, and I'm a stand-up comedian, so all of my economic value might be completely zero no, in New on, Zealand. Yeah. But um, I have a, a laughter value very high. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so my question is such that, you know, can the conversation be a little bit more nuanced uh, and uh, economists like you can lead it? Michael? Um, hopefully, yes. Um, I mean, I, I think as an economist, uh, and, and, and maybe, you know, we don't do well on this, I think your typical economist will, will perfectly understand the idea that, uh, you know, people should move to opportunities, and and they'll be fine with that when we're talking about you know moving within the country. But then you insert a national border, and it's all of a sudden you get these weird arguments about why the mm. same logic doesn't apply anymore. Um, and so I guess I, I mean I, I sort of try to kind of take that. Um, uh, maybe it's a slightly more libertarian approach of if people can better their lives by moving somewhere else, they should be allowed to do so. And mm. that applies in both directions, of course. If Kiwis can, if they see opportunity in a bigger market, they should allow them to do so. And it doesn't lead you to, you know, what's the right number for, for net migration because it's, because it's applying okay. both ways. Uh, but yes, uh, hopefully, I would, I would hope that sort of economists w- would, uh, you know, can help to lead that idea a bit more. It's like people, there's a lot, a lot of the world that you know wants to come here because they see us as a land of opportunity. Michael, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. That's Westpac senior economist Michael Gordon there, one of the first to highlight that figure. Uh, he reckons that uh, we're on track to top 100,000 a year regarding uh, migration, so that's a record. It is 18 past four. The panel, we have Ed Amon, we have Sally Wenley, uh, and it's a wonderful Friday afternoon here at the panel. Now, yesterday we uncovered something quite unexpected, to us at least, on the panel. It's a no-brainer. Everyone is aware of what's happening in crisis right now. Um, we, the amount of mortgages we've done from people moving from Auckland from the last six months is what we would have done over the last four years. Now, that was Nathan McLarney of NZ Mortgages, and he went on to say at least one in five mortgages in Christchurch right now are Aucklanders moving to there. Apparently, Ototahi, that's the place to go. And as you can imagine, the text machine, that blew up, so we thought we'd a bit of hair from the people who made the move with us is Mark. Kia ora, Mark. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you going? Good. It's cold there at the moment. No, beautiful, balmy 16 degrees with a slight breeze in my face. Nice. Been biking along one of our very well-planned bike tracks. 
<laughs> All right, Mark. Okay, so you you move, you made the move. Tamaki Mihoro to uh, to Ototahi there. Why? Well, to be honest, my wife. I'm not from Christchurch originally. I'm a Hawks Bay boy. And you're pretty you're pretty loyal to your Hawks Bay if you're from there. <laughs> I wasn't that keen, but my wife forced the hand with the two young kids, and um, haven't looked back ever since. To be honest, it's been great. Seriously, are you enjoying it? Absolutely enjoying it. You have to get past the Crusaders thing. Don't get me wrong. Come on, oh. come on, get on board. Oh, right. Come on. It's hard. It's hard. Down, it's hard down here. But um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's really good. Oh, parks everywhere. Great schools. Honestly, it takes eight minutes to bike or ten minutes to bike most most places around the main major part of the city. It's it's really good. So, Mark, have you got your moleskins and your air techs and, and, <laughs> and has Her Royal Highness got her pearls out again? No, look, I don't believe what they say. Chicken and cranberry brie paninis are still not a thing here. They're <laughs> put away. They're put away. Um, no, nah, it's, it's good down here. I'm in shorts today. You wouldn't believe it. Shorts, T-shirt, biking to work. Uh, yeah. no, North Islanders don't really get it, I don't think. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. well I'm, I'm, uh, you can say I'm from Pakistan, but my first home was Christchurch when I landed. And I, I went through the earthquake. And, you know, I came, yeah. I landed in 2010, 2011 earthquake. So uh, most of my time in Christchurch was post-earthquake. So I, I, I have a very deep connection with, uh, with Christchurch. So great yeah. move. Um, oh. I, I love the city. It's uh, small. Uh, it's a li- little less cosmopolitan, but I, so it's good that some uh, Aucklanders are moving there, so it becomes a little bit more cosmopolitan. So there's a, there's a variety oh. of foods and colours there. Just finally, Mark, uh, in, in fact, is, is it you that said to us on that, the only thing that you're missing from Auckland is this wonderful restaurant that we all know here called Sri Penang? Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm part um, Malay, and so... Nice. Um, I miss I miss Anx. Anytime I'm in Auckland, it's the first place I stop by for a roti. Can I? I'm there. I'm there um, every time. But yeah, that's the only thing it's missing. So if anyone wants to start a, a really really good Malaysian restaurant down here, um, I'd, I'd happily come along. And, and well, there a lot of immigrants coming, so it will happen. <laughs> Just I know. <laughs> hey, look, one, of my, one of my mates. Um, one of my mates called Cam. He actually thought the grass was greener up in New Plymouth, and he's been staring at a wind one that's been horizontal for about five months. <laughs> Begging to come back at the moment. Oh, putting the oh no, I won't hear a word against New Plymouth, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I, um, but look, let me ask you before we go to our next guest: Would you ever move back to Auckland? No, no, not now. It's too good. It's too life. Wow. Life simple down here, and if you've got a young family, I get to see them probably two hours a day more than living in the big smoke, which is super important to me. So no, I wouldn't. How long did you live in Auckland for, Mark? Um, ever since I finished university, I lived up there for probably six years and then went over to London and then came back for another four. So probably 10 years in total. Right. Yeah. Good on you, Matt. All, all the best. Stay listing and, um, uh, and look, have a great life in Christchurch. I will. Good luck out for these trams, that's all. I'd better keep biking. <laughs> Cheers, guys. That's Mark there. He made his move with uh, the family of four. Uh, and uh, that's right. So his new home, home is from Auckland to Christchurch. And not just Mark, Matt's lived all over the world. He reckons Christchurch has the gold. Matt, kia ora. Kia ora, how are you? It's great to have you on, uh, Matt. So on that, I'm dying to know where else have you lived? Uh, it's been a bit of time in Japan over the years, not living too long, but I uh, lived in in, in Ireland, uh, Edinburgh, and and London, and and also in Auckland. Okay, so on that pretty 
pretty uh, a, a significant experience. They're living in some big cities. How does Christchurch stack up? I'm a little bit biased because I'm from Christchurch, but I, I did go to do the OE and, and I chose to come back after the quakes. I definitely didn't have to because I can get a Dutch passport. That's not a problem. It's just, it's just, it's it's big enough, but it's also small enough. Uh, I'm not sure everyone else has said you're close to everything. I live in the south of the city, so I'm not too much out in the commuter suburbs. Into town, walking 20 minutes, central city, out of town, in the in the in the hills, in the in the farmland, in 20 minutes in the motorway or less. Um, beach here the way it's great. Are you convinced, Sally? I mean, this is a bit of a pro-Christchurch thing here because I was quite surprised at these statistics uh, that so many Aucklanders were moving to Christchurch. What's what's your sense? I'm I'm not, um, and it is a beautiful city. I yeah. was actually down there last weekend, and I hadn't been there for years. Um, so I went to broadcasting school there in my youth, and um, so I went and had a good look around. And there's still, sadly, some places that are that haven't been rebuilt and there's just empty sections or houses that are a bit derelict. But there's also fantastic infrastructure going on. It's well planned. It's all really flat, great pathways, easy to get around, except for the odd... You have to get used to the trams. I suppose that's something you just get used to, Matt. <laughs> Suddenly it's like, whoa, here comes a tram. And um, It's not exactly a comprehensive <laughs> network at the moment. No, <laughs> it's like no. one tram. And, and there's also the the, um, the cathedral. There's the building and that development going on. But it looks like it um, it's clean. It's got a good vibe about it, wonderful mm. murals. The people are lovely. And I can totally understand okay. why you why you'd go there. Yeah, I get a sense. I want I want your opinion on this, Matt, because as a, as a former well, as a as someone who was brought up in Christchurch, there is a sense. I went there last year, um, and I know Christchurch very very well. You know, pre quakes, uh, being on the South Island. Do you think there is a sense that the city has, in some way, renewed itself and willing to take more risks? Maybe that's architecturally, culturally. There's a there's a new Spirit in the air. Yeah, I, I think it's great that we are obviously not as cosmopolitan as Auckland or Wellington, but that's definitely coming up. Um, it's 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 a bit sad still to see the empty spaces, and I've got a few okay. strong opinions on on that. But we're a bit of a knife edge when it comes to development. I think we're going in the right direction. Um, yeah, there's definitely positivity. I think a lot of that positivity actually comes from people that came to Christchurch by choice after the quakes and weren't bogged down with yeah. with all the basically all the rubbish that people had to go through insurance and things like that. People are still dealing with yeah. insurance issues, yeah. still looking to rebuild the houses. They're a bit over it, but the new blood is uh, is um, I get a, a much more positive vibe. I, I'm I was at a couple of bars down here. I talk to people about it all the time, and they love it. I always feel like um, uh, Christchurch is uh, Christchurch is my home, and you know, there's always a, a complicated question when people ask where you're from, and when I don't have to, don't want to get into a conversation, I just say I'm from Christchurch. So it, it is kind of uh, kind of uh, like home to me. But my question to you was: um, out of the s- seven cities that you've lived in, mm-hmm. um, which one um, would you prefer if Christchurch didn't exist? <laughs> uh... I'll feel different ways, different days sometimes, but I, I do consider London a second home. Um, I was lucky enough to, to have um, a situation where I lived above the pub I managed there and I lived in a nice neighbourhood for free. Uh, so a different opinion from living in uh, in the traditional Kiwi areas. But I, I love London. I love all of them. Uh, I recommend London, a, uh, Kar- Karachi. Go to Karachi, Pakistan. There's 25 million people there or 
by 30 by now. It's been an hour, so it's been 30 million by now. So um, it's a great place to live. Visit, please. I recommend. I love my cricket. So to see to see New Zealand play in India or Pakistan or the subcontinent it would be a dream. Oh, oh yeah. Just a very quick thought there, Hey, Sally. Um, Matt, what about yachting? I went out to Littleton and I thought, wow, because they mm. had the sale GP there. What about the America's Cup? Do you think in the future that could be the host harbour as yeah, such? Yeah, good thought. Uh, too, too small for the America's Cup, I understand. The Sail GP was a fantastic vibe, though. I, I didn't uh, go over to see it because uh, it was it was jam-packed, bumper to bumper, but it was, it was a great uh, fan zone in the Central City, and uh, we watched uh, a couple of races. It was fantastic. Matt, really great vibe it's, it's really great to uh, have you on the programme. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time this Friday. Thank you very much. Good, good weekend. Good on you. All right, that's Matt. Uh, and before that, we had Mark. Um, so, look, this is on the back of that story yesterday. We did that. Uh, a lot of Aucklanders are moving to Christchurch. But with the positive response, not everyone agrees. Here's, here's another one. I've got to throw it in. I'm going to go against the grain here and say that I hate living in Christchurch. If you are white and blue-eyed and will go to the right high school, then come here. We can't wait to get out. We struggle to settle in. Perhaps it's just us. We are looking to move to Auckland, hoping for a more open and diverse environment. Well, yeah, that's. Um, and I had that feeling quite a lot of times there when I was living there, um, with different comments being thrown um, towards you uh, at bus stops uh, and shops and even at night time um, walking um, at the bar uh, after, the, after having a good drink. Uh, so it is, it is absolutely correct that that is, a, that is the situation, which is not as common in Auckland. Auckland is more cosmopolitan. There's uh, people from all across the globe who live in Auckland. So Christchurch needs to pick up that, uh, okay. its game in there. No. Uh, just coming up uh, to 4.30, but uh, just on the, I've got to um, sneak in some responses because Ed Amon is having a baby, his yeah, first baby. Yeah, and look, here's, here's some of the... It, 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 it ranges from the philosophical to uh-huh. the very technical. Nice. Um, here's one. Um, buy a plug-in disco light. That might work. That's good. Designed to sit on a coffee table, not the ceiling. It has lots of facets like a fly's eye. In no time, the baby will grow to be wriggling and desperate to get away when you're trying to change a nappy. Turn on the light, and they're entranced by the lights over the ceiling. So there's ah, a technical one. Buy yourself a disco light. Disco light. Another one here. Ed, when changing a nappy, first remove the booties. Baby's legs like springs. You don't want to clothe foot in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay? <laughs> okay, booty. Booty first. Um, and another one here. Um, your baby wants to be cuddled, looked at, and talked to. Enjoy it, Ed. It's magical. Yes, I will. I will. And I'll, I'll talk to them uh, in my own language in Urdu. So that's our plan at home that we're just going to be, it's going to be an Urdu house. Good on you, Ed. Very, very good. Ed Amon and Sally Winley with us this afternoon.